1: protecting your assets in a lawsuit and I'm super excited to have a very special guest with me Scott Smith let me tell you all about him he is the owner of Royal Legal Solutions one of the top asset protection companies for real estate investors in the country he has spent the past eight years diving through case law reading the ever-changing tax code and analyzing real estate investments so you don't have to He works with clients who wanna grow their businesses and protect their hard earned assets. He kicked off his legal career in high stakes litigation. He personally holds real estate investments in 10 states and he provides niche advice to almost 30,000 real estate investors representing most of the US and they have holdings over 4.5 billion. That's with a B. He's a regular expert contributor to biggerpockets.com. and He's writing an ebook on asset protection strategies to help educate the public. Wow. Welcome, Scott. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else do you want to add to that introduction?
2: Yeah, thanks, Nancy. Um, you know, I'm just really excited to be here today. I work with uh, people all over the country on, you know, what are the, the high levels of, of structures that we can use that are as efficient uh, for running their business as, as they are for offering high levels protection. I mean, we work on things about how do you own companies anonymously? How can you own assets anonymously? Um, How can you obscure anybody looking to sue to make it look like you don't own anything at all? Um, So that's the kind of work that we're doing. um, And we're taking those types of structures that were previously only available to the uber rich and we're bringing them to the average investor.
1: That's great because that's my first question. Can you actually provide the definition of asset protection and who needs it? Since I know a lot of people think it is for the rich and the famous. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really not, right? We live in the most litigious country in the world. Um, and when you look at uh, the life of a real estate investor or, you know, people that are active in business, over a 20-year period, there's a 95% chance of being involved in a major lawsuit. So we don't know when that's going to happen. We just know that statistically, it's going to happen. And those are the types of lawsuits that can wipe you out financially. So asset protection is for anybody that has over $50,000 in equity. You you have a different strategies you can use, all the way from really basic to LLCs to more advanced structures like series LLCs and um, even in California for example you can be using a Delaware statutory trust to provide you high levels of protection um, while avoiding franchise taxes so really depends upon your personal needs um, but I'd say once you start getting about fifty thousand dollars you have enough money uh, that it makes sense for somebody to come come after your you and, and and try to you know risk their own money on on trying to sue you and this is especially true for real estate because in real estate all of your assets um, and the amount of money that you have that somebody can take is uh, all part of public records so if you own real estate in your personal name um, or even some people might argue inside of an llc that can be attached to you you've exposed yourself uh, for somebody thinking that now you're a good target
1: that totally makes sense and fifty thousand, although it might sound like a big number is not you can get there pretty quickly especially with appreciation. So what are a few tips for people who want to protect and safeguard their assets? You talked a little bit about the legal entity structure. Do you want to dig into that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had a friend who had over $3 million in real estate, and he owned it all in his personal name, and he had an insurance policy in place. And he thought for asset protection, he's like, oh, well, I got insurance, I'm going to be fine. Um, what ended up happening is, you know, he had a, he got into a car accident that exceeded the limits of liability of his insurance coverage. Like that can happen to any of us, right? Just driving down the highway. Um, and you know, freak accident happens and bam, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you're hit with a lawsuit against you personally for what you did inside of your car. And, um, he actually got, you know, $3 million of his real estate wiped out and in one single go. So for him, he should have been using, you know, some of the more advanced structures that we use, but, but even a simple LLC in his case would have been vastly beneficial uh, for him to, to have in terms of protection.
1: What about a, just an umbrella liability policy?
2: Yeah, so the, there's two things about that, right? You can go for the umbrella liability policy, but you know that insurance coverage is only going to protect you against one type of liability, which is called negligence. Those are only for accidents, is what an umbrella policy is going to cover you for. They're not going to cover you if there's anything that's unrelated to an accident, like if somebody sues you for a breach of contract um, claim or a fraud claim, uh, which can happen really easily if you're an entrepreneur. Um, or what you'll also find is that when the claims are really expensive is that the insurance company will deny coverage based upon what they call gross negligence, which essentially just means it was a really bad accident. Um, so. I personally don't rely on an insurance company, whose whose business model, in essence, is made by you know collecting premiums and denying coverage, at a basic level. But a lot of times, in the, and what I find is that even if people you know trust the insurance companies, that you know, with their livelihood, that say, oh, no, I have a good and honest insurance company. There's no way they would ever deny my claim because, you know, they, they have my back in there. Well, there's some things that they just absolutely can't cover you for. And and one of those is, is uh, for example, that happens a lot in the entrepreneur sphere is fraud. So I had one of these cases that just happened that we actually got the lawsuit dropped because the client was was my client and we had them in a very strong uh, position for asset protection purposes. Um, but it was based upon an exchange of emails. You know, the one person, the, the buyer asked what plumbing in the house has been replaced uh, underneath the floor. And then the, uh, resp- the seller's response was all the plumbing was replaced. Well, come to find out that there was a leak actually in the second story plumbing that caused $75,000 in damages while they were uh, out on vacation. Um, and now all of a sudden they're saying, well, you defrauded me. Well, because you told me all the plumbing in the house was replaced. And the, of course, the seller responded, which my client said, no, no, no. I meant all the plumbing underneath the house. So there's some confusion on what was meant in the email. Well, that happens to be a claim for fraud because they're saying you lied to me. Right. And then the other. But the reality of the situation is it's just a misunderstanding. And that's what most fraud cases actually happen to be, is that they're just misunderstandings between people, but those types of claims are never covered by insurance. Insurance can only cover you against uh, just accidents that will occur, but not against anything else.
1: Wow, that's really interesting. So I know I interrupted you, you were talking about different entities, and I got all excited about the umbrella liability policy. Do you remember your other point?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say like, th- there's typically two things that you need to look at for asset protection is that you need one company that's going to be an asset holding company. And that can be, you know, an LLC. And then you need a uh, operating company, which is a shell operating company, which can be and also be an LLC. And the reasons that you pick one company over another has everything to do with tax considerations, which has to do with how your business runs, which is why you call up and say, Hey, you know, what do I need? for my particular tax situation, what makes the most sense. But cool thing about LLCs is that you can elect the type of tax treatment you want. Um, So that makes them really flexible um, for what you need to do. But in high level terms, what you need to have is you take everything that you own or your trademarks or your website or anything, your intellectual property, your house, uh, anything that actually has value into it. And you put that into an LLC that doesn't Interact with anybody else in the world. All it does is park all of your assets inside of it And then you have a completely separate LLC is the one that interacts with everybody else, right? So it's gonna be like the company that you're gonna hire contractors through um, that you're gonna sign all of your contracts with Otherwise does all of your business operations for you. You should never do anything your personal name like never 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 do anything your personal name unless you have to for some other reason Um, Everything should be going through a shell company Um, And then after assets are acquired or assets are generated, they should be held into an asset holding company.
1: So let me ask you this, because I think I got this, but I want to clarify it for me and the listeners. I once heard an audio CD where someone said something very similar to this. He said, one company owns everything but doesn't manage it, and the other company manages everything but doesn't own it. Is that kind of what you're saying with the shell company?
2: Yeah, that's better put. I'm actually going to steal that line. That's a go ahead. Line. I
1: take it from someone <laughs> else. So one owns it but doesn't manage it. The other manages it but doesn't own it. And that way, everybody's protected.
2: Yeah, that and that's the nuts and bolts of what's going on. And so you're able to put together these types of companies, Nancy, um, and have really high levels of protection, even if it's basic, um, for under a couple thousand dollars total. By the time you put together all the agreements and operating agreements and et cetera that come through it, so don't go out and spend you know ten thousand dollars on on setting up um, you know, all these pieces, it's really not necessary to, to do what it. What about
1: people that already have LLC set up? How do you untangle those and reset them up the way you're saying to do it?
2: Yeah. So typically what we do, let's say if you had, you know, if I already had like six LLCs um, that you're having to pay, you know, your registered agent fees and your yearly fees to the state, as well as maintain and upkeep them every year. And you have, you know, eight different bank accounts or whatever. The best thing to do is use a series LLC structure. Um, you can set these up in over 12 different States right now. Um, and you can set them up in one state and you can use them everywhere. Just like people have been doing with LLCs for forever that we've heard about, especially, you know, from Delaware, you can take an LLC from Delaware and use it anywhere in the United States. You can do the same thing with like a Texas series LLC. And what that series LLC allows you to do is you have one company with one EIN number and one bank account, but what makes a series LLC special is that it can create what's called a child series, which acts as if it's its own company for liability purposes, but they're free to create. So after you create one company called the series LLC, then I can generate an infinite amount of companies for free. And, but the beautiful part about it is that it can all channel through one bank account as long as you keep accurate accounting records and it all streamlines up through one EIN number so you only end up with one tax reporting that you have to do. So it's a way that you can uh, really uh, scale up everything that you're doing without having to also uh, bloat your operations budget for having to do all of the, the management.
1: That is super cool because one thing I don't think a lot of people realize is when you own an LLC, pretty much any corporation, you need to list your annual minutes and a lot of people don't do that and therefore they're kind of exposed. What are your thoughts of this? How does the minutes? fold into the series LLC? Can we yeah, do well, one set of
2: minutes? One set of minutes. And, and that's is also what we have for, you know, part of the people that become members of, of the Royal Legal Solutions is that we actually take care of every, all of that for uh, all of our clients. So what the promise we make to our clients is, is they, they can go ahead and do whatever business dealing that they want to do. They close on it. Um, and and doing the deal in whatever way that needs to work for them um, for financing purposes or whatever else, whatever other considerations they are uh, going on. Then they contact us and we take care of everything from there, including how do we transfer the asset over into the asset holding company? What are all of the operational concerns yearly that are needed to make sure the LLC stays in good standing? We meet with all of our clients twice a year to ensure that they're not piercing the veil or doing something incorrect that can validate their LLC. Um, and we offer continuous, ongoing, and unlimited legal support by phone or email for free for all of our members, and, and that's what we're really looking to to do is to be able to offload all of the concerns that you know, entrepreneurs or investors have onto somebody else to have them take care of it. So, you know, everybody can go back to doing what they need to do. Otherwise, what you end up having to do is spend a lot of part of your year uh, wondering if you're actually doing it correctly, as well as keeping, you know, separate books and separate minutes and separate uh, uh, everything for each company that you do, which, you know, if, if you're like most of the entrepreneurs that are here out in Austin, you're much more focused on making money than you are thinking like, man, I really want to dig into those LLC minutes this month. <laughs>
1: Oh, I know. I've got five companies myself. Part of them are real estate, part of them are businesses, and it's keeping all that straight is a lot of work. When you say asset holding, do you is that the same as your shell company? I just want to make sure I've got the terminology right.
2: Yeah, so asset holding companies is the one that owns everything but manages nothing, and then the <laughs> shell like, company. Look at
1: that! You've already in. Listen, You're already using it. That's awesome.
2: I learned quick. That's what it is. It's about learning quick and adapting, you know, and <laughs> you know what's going on. You had it better than me. So I'm just going to steal it. Then the entrepreneurial fashion of America, and then I'm going to take it and run with it. And, Go so, for it. and so, so then the, the,
1: everything manages nothing.
2: Yeah. And shell company will manage everything um, and doesn't own anything. And the reason I call it a shell company is because it doesn't own anything. And, and we're setting it up to be the one that everybody would sue right? Because it has all of the management, it has all of the business contacts, it has signing all the contracts. So if something goes wrong, it sues that that entity. And then what you end up doing is, you know, you don't really care if that sues that entity because it doesn't own anything. Your worst case scenario is that you wind that entity down and you start up a new one.
1: Awesome. Well, here's the other piece of advice. I'd love to hear your opinion on this. A banker once told me, never hold property free and clear. Always have some sort of debt on it, whether it's just." A home equity line of credit, or some sort of debt, so that it's protected. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, you can do that. Um, the only way to you either actually have to go through a full-fledged, you know, refinance. Uh, to, to protect it. Or if you have a home equity line of credit, you can have the appearance of having debt on it. But unless you actually draw the money down, it doesn't really protect you at all. Um, or the alternative, which usually costs uh, you know, about a few thousand dollars to put together, is actually to have your own mortgage company that puts your own notes onto your own property which is also possible to do. And if you, as long as you do it correctly and you dot your I's and cross your T's correctly on this, you can have the legal compliance to essentially be able to create bona fide mortgages onto your own property. So that way, if they're ever sued, you're actually your own mortgage company gets paid out um, instead of the money being able to go to the plaintiff. So if you have high cash, you can do that. You're essentially your own bank.
1: Yeah, that's really cool too, wow. These aren't even any of the questions I had on my list, but I think this is pretty cool.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) as I said, like that, those are types of strategies that are possible. I actually have a lot of, you know, seemingly, I don't don't know if this is, you know, something that's different uh, from an investor standpoint, but it's a lot of my Chinese clients that will own everything debt free. And so that's when they'll use it is because they'll say, well, you know, I really want to have a half million dollars in house and really own it in cash. Um, And so in that circumstance insurance, uh, As isn't enough to protect you. Compartmentalizing the you know property in a in a single LLC or even in a series LLC, I'd say, arguably isn't enough protection. Still too much equity, Um, and so then we'll start using this other piece that's called equity stripping, which is how you create your own private mortgage company to serve as the bank to put notes onto your own property.
1: That's really cool. Wow. How about real estate? You talked about a little bit about um, holding real estate in retirement accounts. You want to give us a few tips on that.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, there's a lot I can help you with in terms of, you know, how to actually run your entrepreneurial ventures to make sure you limit your downside risk. And those are relatively simple. Real estate's much more complex. Um, and But for retirement accounts so and what you can be doing with your, um, you know, as an entrepreneur within, if you don't have, do, if you have any non-W2 income, is you can actually set up what's called a solo 401k, um, which it allows you to peel off $50,000 every year um, that otherwise you'd have to be distributed to you and pay taxes and on, into a solo 401k account. Um, now all that money is is held tax free for you. You can actually loan half of that amount back to yourself for you to use for whatever else you want to. Right. Then the other, you know, say twenty five thousand um, dollars here can be used for investing in whatever you'd like. So there's that's the number one way that all entrepreneurs should be you know, taking advantage of it instead of, you know, trying to declare everything on taxes for yourself. Always pull everything, at least $50,000 off into a a solo 401k every year and then loan yourself back half the value.
1: That's cool too. Wow. I'm sure everyone's thinking, I need to talk to this guy. Where can they find you?
2: Yeah. uh, You can come to our website. It's royallegalsolutions.com. You could call us at 512- 757 uh, 3994, or you can email me uh, directly at Scott, a C O T T, at Royal Legal com, um, And we also have the Real Estate Nerds Podcast that's going to be launching September 1st. Um, and that's going to be a really cool show that's really going to be talking about, you know, it's, it has a, a, a flair for real estate, but it's really about entrepreneurs that happen to be doing real estate. Um, Because what we're talking about in that show is that half of, you know, what we do for real estate is the deal itself. And the other half is the people behind it and what they did or didn't do that led to their best and worst deals. And so we really dive into those details of it to really give the human element of what it really takes to be successful.
1: And what's the name of that podcast?
2: It's the Real Estate Nerds podcast where me and my buddies nerd out.
1: Are you going to have guests or it'll be the two of you?
2: Oh, no, it's, it's different guests every week. And these are all major podcasters like Joe Farrellis and, um, you know, uh, a bunch of other guys that, are, that come on to it. Right now, we have about 30 recorded episodes that are all going to drop September 1.
1: That is so cool. And you're also coming out with a book. How's that coming along on Asset Protection Strategies?
2: Yeah. So the book is called uh, How to Know More Than Your Attorney, Asset Protection for Real Estate Investors and Entrepreneurs. Um, and it's coming along really well. The book itself, um, it's going to be diving into, you know, uh, by the time that you actually finish reading the book, you'll be able to know more than any of the attorneys that you're going to be able to talk to locally about asset protection, how it's going to relate to your business or your investments. It's, um, it's one of those things that it kind of spurned in me is um, about saying like, you know, this stuff really isn't that hard. It's just that people aren't thinking about it in the right way. Um, so, you know, in just as little as 100 pages, you'd be able to, to crush through ideas better to be able to put any of your local attorneys, you know, spend them in circles about what you should be thinking about.
1: And when will that come be available and where do people find it?
2: Yeah, Nancy. So we'll be promoting that through all of our social media as well as through the website um, when that's available. It's in the final stages um, right now. So we'll be hoping um, to be able to have that um, in, in the beginning of October.
1: Awesome. Yeah, writing a book takes a lot of work. I'm on number three and it's been a long process. So that's <laughs>
2: awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, are you ready for
1: the signature question? I'm ready. Since we are all about getting your time back, if you had one more hour per day, 25 hours every day, what would you do with your extra hour?
2: Yeah, I would actually probably um, spend that extra hour uh, doing uh, meditation and just hanging out with my dog, trying to not think about anything. (laughs) And I know that's a crazy thing to say but like I work for about 14 hours a day six days a week and what I actually find is the best ideas that I have actually come from the moments when I force myself to unplug away from electronics and away from anything that's necessarily like stimulating but just to like sit and be still and then the ideas that of what I really need to do and what's really important for me to do actually come like clear in those moments.
1: It's not that unusual of an answer. Quite a few people say they would just love some time, some downtime, some quiet time to think, and, which is really why we grow our business is when we can figure out what our next steps are. So that is not a bad answer at all. Yeah, well, thank you for
2: that. I was hoping to not give a bad answer.
1: No, no, it's a great answer. You've been giving great answers all day. Before we wrap up, I know you've got more ideas in you. Do you want to leave us with a few more tips? Anything you want?
2: Yeah, I would just say also for everybody that's out there is just to always remember to go uh, to a professional that's going to be in the same line of work that you are. Whether it's going to be a CPA or you know an attorney or anybody. You know, I happen to be a real estate investor as well as an attorney as well as an entrepreneur, which makes me qualified to talk about those pieces. Or I feel qualified. But just even if it's not me or whether it's just anybody else, and so no matter what you are doing. Um, If you can find a professional that also is in the same line of business that you're getting into, it's like a 10x multiplier on how useful those people are. So I'd encourage you to do that.
1: That is awesome. Very, very cool. Any other tips before we wrap up?
2: Uh, Take 10 minutes every morning for yourself, no matter how busy you are, and just chill for 10 minutes. And it'll make a world of difference in your life.
1: I like that. I have a 10 rule too in the morning before I get out of bed. I come up with 10 things that I'm grateful for and they can't be the same as yesterday.
2: Yeah. That actually keeps you happy. Like for starving, like staving off depression and those kind of things that when you're just feeling down in the dumps, like gratitude is the number one thing, right? That it's like, wow, I can really just for something, for some reason our brains are wired up that way. If we can forcibly remind ourselves what to be grateful for, it just keeps those demons at bay. I love and it. make
1: it can be as simple as what a great day, or I feel really refreshed, or I can't wait for my meeting today. Really, really cool stuff. Yeah.
2: You can stick it like totally in the present too, right? Like I'm really grateful for how like soft this pillow is, you know, <laughs> or how cool they are. And it can really just be anything, you know, and it doesn't really matter what you pick. It's really just important that we actually just do it. So I'm sure you've yeah. had that experience, Nancy.
1: Every day. Yes. And in times I've gotten up on my "Oops, I forgot to think through gratitude. So I'll get back in and hopefully not fall <laughs> I'm going ah, 10 that's
2: a dangerous move to get back into the bed but i like it develop
1: today it was 48 degrees here at my house in denver i live in a mountain so it's cooler and i'm like 48 on the end of july what's up with that so it was cold
2: <laughs> i'm telling you man that's a good reason to get back in that bed for sure
1: Yeah, I had a meeting, so I had to get up, but awesome, (laughs) Scott, this has been really, really interesting. I took notes like crazy for my own real estate that I know I can implement. Lots of great tips. Listeners, I am looking for newer business owners interested in accelerating their business in just one year. The Turbo Ascent Group is forming right now. It's a combination of group coaching, one-on-one coaching, training, accountability, peer advisors, and a mastermind think tank. So lots of cool stuff packed into one year. Just check out nancygames.com/ slash consulting to learn more. If you love this show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes so other people can find us. And until next time, go out and gain the advantage.
0: You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygames.com. That's Nancy, dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.